Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Good stuff. All right, I'm going to preach now, so let's jump into it. Let's go ahead and stand one more time. Come on, let's stand one more time to our feet. We're going to stand for the word. Why do we do that? Because we stand on the word. Because the word's the greatest authority in our life, so we honor it. Continuing our series on the book of Philippians. And um, we're just going to jump right into it. Let's go. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. And it says this. It says, Not that I have already obtained this, or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Come on. So good. But one thing that I, but brothers, sorry, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining to what lies ahead. I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, verse 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything in, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you, verse 16. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have told you, I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with mindsets on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this tremendous, momentous day here at Thrive. And God, I pray as we dive into this word, I pray I would decrease and you would increase. I pray that God, our hearts, our minds, our spirit would listen to what you have to say this morning. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. This is, a, this is a tough one because Paul just goes for it. I, I, I don't know if you just read what I just read, but I was, that's intense. I, and I've, I've learned this about Paul, this really studying it and really jumping into the book of Philippians and who he was as an author and how the Holy Spirit used him to write you know, two-thirds of the New Testament, is, is Paul has no fear of going in. He just going to shoot straight and tell it how it is. And I think it's so important that we study books like this in Scripture. I think, I think it's so important for our walk with Jesus to have a holistic gospel and we don't cherry-pick the things we want to hear and the things we don't want to hear. Because Paul says some very encouraging stuff in the book of Philippians. Paul, Paul's the man. Paul's saying stuff like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We like that one. We put that one on t-shirts. Come on. Come on, Christian, bumper stickers, all that, right? He will supply every need according to your riches and glory. Come on, that, that's the tie of the message right there. You know, we like that one, right? He will complete the work he started on the day of Christ Jesus. All right, Jesus, you're going to finish what you started. Thank you, G. Right? We, that, that, that will shout people down. Like, right? That message, that, that's a good church message right there. But then we come across a passage like this that says, hey, listen, follow me. And if you're not following me, you're an enemy of the cross. 
<laughs> and you're like, man, it's like Paul needs a Snickers or something. But what it is, is um, without a holistic view of the gospel and the ability to allow Jesus to provoke the things of God in your life in real and almost confrontational ways, there's no root that's established in us without that, right? I don't know if you know this, um, but fluffy Christianity isn't working. A gospel that does not allow the confrontation of sin and the confrontation of our humanity and the confrontation of what we are not supposed to be doing and the ability to really allow us to understand what it takes to follow Jesus and the wisdom and guidance from a church father like Paul to confront the things that he needs to confront in our life. Without it, although it may be comfortable to not have it and although it may be convenient to not have it, without the intense confrontation spiritually, I'm not mad at anyone, we're not angry, we love everyone in the room, but we're just gonna talk about what Paul wants to talk about, why? Because Paul is not interested in the church of Philippi having a good sermon for the week he's interested in the church of Philippi following Jesus to the end of the age and I want to explain this to us because I think this is so important to understand if you're going to come here and you're going to be part of our house I am not interested in you being a better person tomorrow I'm interested in you following Jesus to the day you die or until he returns I don't know if you know this but and I know this is kind of, maybe it's kind of sad but it's just true you might not be a thrive forever and you're like, no, never, no, probably. You might not be a thrive forever. That's okay. People change, people move, things happen. I understand. But my responsibility and what Paul would say, his responsibility is, look, do you love Jesus all the way to the end? Because it matters more how you finish more than how you started. So then Paul will begin to articulate and Paul begins to give language and begins to begin teaching on do not do this because if you start to do this or you have symptoms of this or you act like this, you will not be able to make it till the end. And although these are the messages we might not like to hear, they're the messages we need. And what I've learned about scripture and I've learned about Jesus in general is that Jesus is not interested in giving us what we want. He's just not. He's kind and sometimes he does it, but that's not like on the top of the totem pole for Jesus. Like Jesus is not having a meeting in heaven, be like, man, what does Chris want? <laughs> Jesus is having a meeting in heaven. He's saying, what does Chris need? Because what he needs will sustain him to follow me all the way till the end. I want to make sure you're following him all the way to the end. I want to make sure that Jesus is the love of your life and not just a fad. I want to make sure that Jesus is actually God and not just something you kind of worship because you're bored on a Sunday. I want to make sure that you understand that Jesus loves you and he desperately desires to have a relationship with you and that his relationship is the greatest thing you can ever have in the history of your life and it's the greatest thing that could ever heal you of everything you've ever gone through. But in this relationship, it's going to be his way. And can I tell you, his way is way better anyways. Our way is whack. Paul... In this passage, and also in Philippians chapter 3, a little bit earlier in the chapter, the whole entire chapter, he really begins to break down the concept and the idea of discipleship. 
He begins to say, Philippi, this is how you follow Jesus. Why? Because learning how to follow Jesus is necessary in today's culture. We have to learn how to really follow God. And so Paul does this crazy thing. He says, hey, check this out. How you follow God is this. Follow God the way I follow God. And that can sound kind of arrogant, but it's actually pretty profound. Why? Because what we have to understand is Paul in his level of following Jesus is so next level, right? This is the man who's gotten beaten. This is the man who's gotten shipwrecked. This is the man who, right? Even in the earlier chapter of chapter three, he says all his credentials and all his stuff, but yet he says, I give it all up for the sake of Jesus. And Paul is saying, this is what discipleship looks like. Discipleship means to follow God. For those that maybe not know, that's okay. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And then he creates a dividing line. And you're gonna, Paul does two things very often. He compares and contrasts two things all throughout his books. And then he creates dividing lines because you need to know where you stand when it comes to you and the Lord. It's a very healthy thing to know, where am I at? And I find it funny because sometimes when we read the Bible, we always think we're the good guys, right? Like when we read about David and Goliath, we always think we're David. <laughs> I don't think anybody reads David and Goliath and they think, man, I'm Goliath. Or I'm the nation of Israel that doesn't want to go out to battle. We're like, I'm David. But let's be honest, sometimes we're not. And so we cannot come to the lens of the scripture. We cannot begin to divide, divide into it and go into it and exegesis. It without understanding that Paul is saying, look it, if you're not this, you're acting like this. And this is how he defines it. You're either a citizen of heaven or an enemy of the cross. And that's intense. Now, here's another thing I want to, before I jump into the details of it. Just because you're in one right now or you're leaning toward one doesn't mean you have to stay there forever. Okay, so if, if, if we go down this message and I start bringing some points up and you're like, wow, I thought I was this, but I'm actually this. Doesn't mean you have to be stuck. Does that make sense? Just because we start going through some things on that's what the enemies of the cross are. That's kind of how I am. Oh, that, am I an enemy of the cross? No, you don't have to stay in that. What you, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I repent. Help me to love you in a greater way. Help me to make this relationship real. And so what I believe Paul is talking about and the main topic of the conversation today is this, is that Jesus is looking for authentic discipleship. Jesus is looking for authentic discipleship today. God is looking for individuals who would give their whole heart to him and not just some of it. God is looking today for people who would wholeheartedly follow Jesus and not just kind of follow Jesus. God is looking for people. He is looking for people all throughout the earth. And he's saying, can I find someone who would follow me the way they're supposed to follow me? Are they willing to follow me and authentically follow me? Not fake it till they make it. Now more than ever before, do we need authentic discipleship in this culture? We need to authentically follow Jesus, man. I cannot, I cannot stress it enough. I believe so 
profoundly that if you're in here and you're saying you go to church, I'm, I'm just talking to the people who call themselves Christians in the room. If you're a first time visitor or you don't know about this Jesus thing, you're off the hook for the next like five minutes. Let me talk to the people who would say, I follow Jesus and I'm a Christian and I was saved at this church and this church in 1970, whatever, whatever. And like I've had this pastor and I've done this and I've done that. And my challenge to you would be this. If you are not authentically following Jesus, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? It is not good enough. I want you to understand this. It is not good enough to just attend church and be kind of in and kind of out and do what you want. And why I say that is not because I don't think it's not good enough. It's because Paul says it's not good enough. Paul would say that that would disrespect the sacrifice of the cross. And again, everyone has their thing. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, and I'm not saying you're not going to mess up sometimes. I understand that, but, but what I'm really talking about is the heart issue of it. Are we genuinely wholehearted, wholeheartedly allowing ourselves to follow Jesus, or have we developed a Christian vocation, a Christian job description of ourselves that is just something that we're going through the motions? Are we following him? Are we following him? And I'm not just preaching this to you. I'm asking this of myself. Am I just doing Christian activity or am I wholeheartedly following the Jesus that rescued my life? I do not want to get stuck. I don't want to get stuck. I want to, I want to, grow deeper. I want, I want more. I want to fall in love with God more. I want to, I want to get closer to God. I want, to, I want to grow in my relationship with God. I, I want God to be the center of my life. I want God to be the main thing of my life. I want God to be the one thing of my life. I love what this, I didn't really share this first service. I'm, I'm kind of going on a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like it's really important. Um, because Paul says, I press on to make it my own. Because Jesus has made me his own. Come on. Come on. I said this at Young Adults. I spoke at Young Adults this Friday, our Young Adults group, our Young Adults night. And I said, when no one wanted me, Jesus wanted me. Someone can relate to that in the room. And you might even be in a season right now where it feels like no one wants you. Can I tell you that when you ever feel like no one wants you and no one cares, Jesus wants you. This is not a message of dictatorship. But Paul is expressing that it's a language and a message of love that because God has made me his own, why wouldn't I follow Jesus to the capacity that I know I need to follow Jesus? And why would I play Christianity instead of actually live as someone who is following Jesus, which is biblical Christianity? And I believe this is what we tend to do in Western Christian culture is we tend to play with God instead of actually have a real relationship with God. And Paul would say, you can't do that. You can't do that. And so let me just break down what I feel are a couple things. Four things that I believe followers of Jesus do versus four things of what Paul would say are enemies of the cross, how they act. 
and let's see where we land. Does that sound good? <laughs> to each their own. Whatever God wants to speak to you, man, go for it. Number one, followers of Jesus, let go of the past. They let go of the past. Followers of Jesus, let go of the past. But enemies of the cross love their own rebellion. I don't, I don't know, anybody like who grew up in church, anybody kind of grew up in church or you don't have to raise your hand, but you know, like I grew up and we didn't do this necessarily this year with our story series, but you ever been in like church or like a small group or like a Bible study and it's like testimony night and you got someone who's in testimony night and they're all like really proud of the sin or how they were before they got saved? Nobody? Okay, let me explain. So like in testimony night, someone, I'm just thinking it from like a dude perspective because obviously I'm a dude. And someone's a testimony night and they're just, you know, we're all talking about what has God done for you? And they're all like, well, you know, back in the day I had all the girls and I had the cars and I was rich and I was just baller. And you know, I had everything. And then I gave it up for Jesus and now my life sucks. It's like, Okay, maybe they didn't say that, but like, but that's how it sounds. They're like, yeah, you know, and I was this, and I was part of this gang, and I was part of this thing, and I was part of this, and everything was so, and it's like, they glory in their vomit. <laughs> Why do I say vomit? Because that's what Jesus says. He says, going back to your sin is like a dog going back to its own vomit. You ever met someone who tries to make their vomit sound good? And I, I've met them. I've met people that they, they just start talking about how dope their life was before Jesus. And I'm like, you were a mess. You were broken. You were hurting. You were, and, and God forbid that I would allow my past to be greater than what Jesus has done for me. God forbid I would glorify my own rebellion because I miss it. Who, want, who misses that? And even if you're in a season right now where you're struggling with sin and struggling with temptation and you're struggling with staying to follow Jesus, you really miss the shame and the guilt and the depression and the identity issues and the insecurities and the loneliness and you miss all that? Because, because with Jesus, I know sometimes it can kind of creep up, but your freedom and God healing you is way more important and that will never, the old stuff will never satisfy your soul because it never did. It never did. If it did, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't. Paul, he says, what do followers of Jesus do? Let go of the past. What does he say? I let go, right? Forgetting what lies behind and straining to what's forward. Some of us need to learn the art of forgiveness and letting go. We don't need it. Now, I'm not saying that what you went through in your past didn't happen. No, no, no. No, it was real. But what I'm saying is your past does not dictate who you are anymore. What you did before Jesus does not dictate who you are anymore. So stop acting like how you used to act. So Paul would say, stop, children, stop acting like you're still in Egypt. Stop acting and then don't glorify, right? So people who are enemies of the cross, people who are, right, 
And, and, and that word enemy is so intense, but that's what God wanted to use, and that's how Paul wrote it. In a sense of people who are not following Jesus, people who are going against what God is trying to do in humanity and what God is trying to do on the earth and what God is trying to do in an individual's life, what they do is they glory in their sin. They glory in their, right? They glory in their shame. That's what, that's what Paul says. They boast in it. There's an arrogance to them. Family, I want to make sure that I am not arrogant in who I used to be, but I am only confident in who God made me to be. And part of that is I got to let go of who I used to be. I got to let go of the things that I've went through. I got to let go. And, then, and let go doesn't mean forget, but let go also doesn't mean permission to still act like. Right? Okay, that was just number one. Are you okay? Okay. Cool. Let's get through it. Number two, followers of Jesus. Number two, they pursue God. Easy. Pursue God. But enemies of the cross, they worship their own desire. The Bible says that their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. What, is that, what does that mean? Is that they worship what they want and themselves. Man, that's tough. Because more often than not, we let our desires get in the way of God's desires. Did you know that God has a desire? He talks about it in John. He says, I desire them to be with me. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says to the apostles, he's praying. And he says, Father, I desire. And that desire is so that way we could have a real authentic relationship with Jesus. Did you know that you did not want a relationship with Jesus first? He wanted a relationship with you first. John, first John says, we can only love him because he first loved us. You were not the initiator. No matter how much you thought you needed Jesus, God wanted you more. You didn't start the relationship. Does that make sense? You're not the one that made it all happen. God set it up. Why? Because his heart is for you and I. His heart is so for us that he was willing to die for us and rise again so that way we could have a relationship with him. Fundamental Christianity, that God wants us way more than we want him. And so individuals who follow Jesus reciprocate the need and the want to follow God because we understand that God wants us. Isn't that crazy that the God of the universe who built all things actually wants a relationship with you? That's a whole nother sermon series for another time. But what people who aren't following Jesus do is they let their desires become greater than God's desires. And you cannot function in your own desire after you start following Jesus. It's not gonna work. You're gonna realize your heart is gonna be torn in two and it's gonna clash. Can I tell you, I don't know what's worse of a feeling, not knowing Jesus or knowing Jesus and being in compromise. That's tough. That feels, that, that's, that's awful. That's not, that's not cool because I know what Jesus has done. When I allow my belly to be my God, meaning my desires, the things I want, and, and you know, the interesting thing about God is God will always give you what you need, but he doesn't really care about what you want. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> if you don't know that, that's going to help some people in the room. Like your wants are not really high on the totem pole for Jesus. 
They're just not. Your needs are, because he knows what he needs to sustain you. But your wants, he doesn't really care. He doesn't really care what you want. He cares what you need, but he doesn't really care what you want. And why doesn't he care what you want? Because we want dumb things, let's be honest. We go to prayer and we want dumb things. We go to church for dumb reasons. Let's just be real. Hopefully now you're here for the right reason. But at first, we tend to come for dumb reasons. We tend to manipulate. Why? We're human. And what is God saying in this? God is saying, look at what you have to begin to understand is if you're going to really follow me, you're going to have to lay down the God of your belly, which is the God of your own desire, the God of your own wants, the God of the things that you so desperately crave that won't satisfy you. The God of your own flesh, the God you worshiping yourself and worshiping your needs, you're going to have to lay that down and you're going to have to trust me with my desires for you. And I love what, just, just a quick little note, the word in this, in verse 19, it says, their God, it's a little g, is their belly. Little g. If you notice when the Bible talks about God, like Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, big g. But this one's a little g. And what some of us need to understand is we got a lot of little G's in our life that we need to lay down for the big G. I feel like that could have got really into like gangster talk and I'm like trying to calm down on that. Yeah, you know. But what are the little G's in our life? What are they? Small or big? What are, what are, the, what are the desires you put in front of your desire for God? What are they? And God would say, Paul would say, that's enemy of the cross behavior. When you begin to put your desires above God's desires, when you begin to put your wants instead of what God wants for you, when you think that your decisions are better than what God would tell you what to do. And Paul would say, disciples don't act like that. Disciples pursue God. Disciples follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Disciples are right near God no matter where he goes, no matter he's moving. Disciples are always looking to pursue and desperately pursue who Jesus is. Number three. All right. Disciples, followers of Jesus, maturity, have maturity mentally. Have maturity mentally. But enemies of the cross rarely think of God. They just don't think of God. And I want to I break this down just a little bit because I think this is very helpful. Now, I'm not saying you have to think of God 24-7, although that's probably not bad. But, right, we're human. So you get up in the morning, and how many of you think of God? Probably not most of us. Let's just be honest. Like myself, I don't, and I'm the pastor. I don't think, right? Most of you don't even think. you got to get coffee first. Let's be real. Right? You're not even functioning as a human being until you get coffee. Okay. For me, I don't drink coffee. Imagine me on coffee. That would be horrible. I'd be like on one everywhere. Like, like I, just, I just don't drink coffee. So for me, I, right, I get up in the morning. Normally, I hit the shower. That's how I like wake up. But okay. Let's just say for the normal human being, they wake up. They're not thinking of God because they're finally getting up. Okay, cool, whatever. If you do, you wake up in the morning, you think of God, that's awesome. That's so cool. But most people, probably not. Okay, so then do you think of God on the way to work? Well, probably not because you're stressed out about work. Okay, makes sense, stressed out about work. On the way to work, 
you're not thinking about God, you're thinking about work, and then you get to work, and now you're stressed out about the thing that stressed you out on the way to work. So are you thinking about God at work? Probably not, because I'm stressed out about the thing that I was thinking about on the way to work. Cool. And then you get to work, and it's lunchtime. Are you thinking about God at lunch? No, I'm thinking about whether I want to go to In-N-Out or Chipotle. Let's just be honest. All right, so you're not thinking about God at lunch. So then after work, or after lunch, but you get back to work after lunch, and now you're just thinking about leaving work. You're not even thinking about work anymore. You're just thinking about getting home. Okay, so you're not thinking about God at all at work. Cool. Happens. I understand. Now you get on your way home. Are you thinking about God on your way home? No. I'm thinking about how crazy my life is, and I got to see all my family and my kids, and the house is probably a mess, and everything's wild. All right. So you don't think about God on the way home. You get home. The house is exactly how you thought it was. Everything is wild. Everything is crazy. And so do you think about God at dinner with your family? No. I'm trying to keep the peace. I'm trying to make my life make sense. And then, okay, what about when you go to bed? I'm just thinking about the next day because I'm stressed out from today, and so I'm going to think about the next day. And listen, you begin to live a life you don't think about God. And, and I know that sounds funny, but throughout that whole day, it's very easy to not think about God. And when we don't think about God, we don't prioritize God, and we don't prioritize God, we don't prioritize our relationship with God, and we don't prioritize our relationship with God, things begin to fall apart inside, from, the, from inside out. And what Paul is saying is really simple. He's saying, those who do not follow Jesus wholeheartedly, rarely, if not at all, think about God. He says their mind is on earthly things. But you and I are called to not just think about earthly things. Look, I'm not saying you have to think about heavenly stuff all day long. Don't be a weirdo. Although, I'm totally cool if you're kind of a weirdo. That's cool. We'll work it out. But, at the same time, don't be so earthly minded, heaven can't even access you. Don't be so earthly minded that Jesus can't get your attention. Don't be so focused on the things of this earth, that's what Paul is saying, that you don't even act like a disciple, and then you wonder why God's not in your life. It's because you don't think about him. Do you remember when you first fell in love with your spouse, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, with whatever, whatever, whatever? And like, that's all you did. You obsessively thought about them. Right? I just think of like my middle school years when I had the crush on the girl that I had the crush on. I changed the way I went to class to see her every period borderline stalker status <laughs> stole her picture from a friend you know like the little middle school pictures I think they still give those out I'm like hey let me get that one why don't worry about it <laughs> wrote her name again right that's all you're thinking you're, and, and, and my question is that's how it was when you first got saved if you really encountered Jesus I know that's how it was we're just like, God, God, God. And then my question with you today would be, what happened? Why did you let life get in the way of your relationship? I don't want to be like someone who doesn't think of God. I want God to be on my mind. Because I'm always on His. The Bible says that He has more thoughts for us than the sand on the seashore. And yet I don't have time to think of God when I'm in my busy life. 
to be a disciple. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a lover of God. I want to be a son and a daughter. I want to serve him and love him and be with him and trust him. And part of that is I need to engage my intellect, not just my emotions. Because God wants all of me, not just some of me. My last point, and I'll close, is followers of Jesus imitate real disciples. They follow other people who follow Jesus. But enemies of the cross live without accountability. It says that their God is their belly, they glory in their shame, their mindsets on earthly things, and their end is destruction. Why is their end of destruction? Because no one will challenge them with the consequences that's in their life. As if we think that God has called us to follow Jesus individually. It's not biblical. Yes, your relationship with God is personal, but your the mandate on your life as a disciple is not just individual, it's also corporate. Jesus didn't have one disciple, he had 12. He sent 70 out, two by two. He had 120 in the book of Acts that saved 3,000. The church multiplied daily. There were teams of leadership. There were people together. And what you begin to understand is the idea that God has called you to live your life with Jesus individually, there's something missing. And what's missing is you need other people to follow Jesus if you're going to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. You just do. And I'm telling you as someone who doesn't like that idea because I barely like people. I'm just going to be honest. I'm a lot better now. But at first I was like, I don't need them. I am the church. Me and you, God, till the day we die. And but when you begin to, the, the problem is, is I would read scripture from a broken lens of church hurt. And when you begin to read scripture from a lens of brokenness, you begin to get a deficiency and an anorexic truth. But if you begin to read it wholeheartedly, you begin to realize, wow, God wants me to love him and God actually wants me to love his people even though they're all messed up, jacked up, screwed up and broken. We do it together. So I need someone in my life to challenge me. I need, I need to follow someone else as they follow Jesus. What I love about the individuals who were on the stage earlier was that all of them really love God. Some of them, they're like those friends who, you know how when you're with them, it feels like you don't love Jesus. Anybody have a friend like that? I had a friend like that. He's from Sacramento for years, and I'm still really close with him. We just haven't talked in a while. But for years, like this dude, he was the type of friend where the worship saw, ever been in a worship set and it was horrible? I don't know if you ever, maybe not here at Thrive. The team is really good. I guess no one can relate. But I've been in worship sets where the singer is off key, the keyboard player's not working. Not you, Antonio, you do a great job. The drums are missing the beats. The sound system's old, like bad, bad worship sets. And I'm just looking around and I'm like, no one can worship to this. And my friend who's also named Chris is like weeping in the presence of God. You ever hang out with people like that? And you're like, what's wrong with you? And then you start realizing, wait, what's wrong with me? Why does this dude love God more than I do? need people like that if you're going to follow Jesus. You need other people that are going to follow Jesus with you. Or your end is destruction. Or you're just not going to get to where God wants you to get. Because that's just how he designed it. And I would believe wholeheartedly that God in this house would want to raise up people who would follow Jesus with everything. Again, these were just some 
practicals that I felt in my heart that Paul would express. And Paul would come, I, I, the kind of the way I, I, I even prepare is this. I'm gonna close right now, I promise. This is my second close. Preachers get three. Okay. I wonder if Paul, like Paul is talking to the church of Philippi. I wonder if he would come to the church of Lathrop and he would see us doing these things or not. Like, are we doing the things he's telling us to do? Or are we doing the opposite of what he told us to do? So when I'm preparing my messages, I don't want to just prepare it as if this is me learning about the Bible, but also if Paul was sitting in the room right now, if Paul was sitting in the front row, would he be like, Chris, is your church functioning like this? And if not, why not? Are you not telling them that they need other people to follow Jesus? Are you not telling them that they need to pursue God wholeheartedly? Are you not telling them that they need to have God on their mind and mature mentally? Are you not telling them that they need to let go of the past? And I'm like, man, I need to tell them because if I don't tell them, you're going to get mad at me. And it's it, because it works, because it's real, because it's true. And I don't want to take scripture as, I, I don't ever want to come in to a sermon or a message and come in thinking that was for my person next to me instead of me. God, what are you speaking to me right now? And God, I want to authentically follow you. I want to authentically love you. Stand your feet with me. I just have a question for everyone in the room and then I'll let you go is does our life please God's heart or does it break God's heart the Bible says Paul expresses his points of being an enemy of the cross not with anger or regression but with tears he says and even in tears now I say that there's people who are enemies of the cross and they do this and this and this and this and, and I, I feel like that's just so the heart of God God isn't up there angry and mad and hates us no no but he is sad and we can't break his heart. And my question is, do we live a life that breaks God's heart? I don't wanna live a life that breaks God's heart. I wanna live a life that makes God's heart whole and happy. Not that he needs it, but I wanna live that life where I don't wanna break God's heart. And so with everyone's head bowed, everyone's eyes closed, we're gonna pray for you. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.